We are so grateful, Lord, that you are our Father. We are so grateful that you are our Savior, Jesus. And we are so thankful for your friendship, God, that's expressed through the Holy Spirit day by day. We love you, Father. We love you, Son. We love you, Holy Spirit. We invite you today, God, to have your way in our lives. We invite you to be all that you desire to be in our lives uh, and uh, to make us, uh, to conform us into the image of Jesus for your glory, God. We need you today, God, and we thank you that you're ever an ever-present help in those uh, in the time of trouble, God. So come and be with us and encourage us, fill us, strengthen us, confirm in us that which you have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, band. You alone. Ooh, that brings me back a few years. Uh, it's encouraging. Um, good morning, community of faith, CFCF. <laughs> good to see you today. It's interesting. I um, felt today that uh, Jesus uh, wanted to do something before I preached. <laughs> he doesn't wait till after someone preaches, right? To do things. Uh, he's already doing things in people's hearts. But I felt that we should pray for the sick uh, before I preach today. And actually, uh, Zach Fry came up and said, I feel that I have a word of knowledge. We believe in the present-day work of the Holy Spirit. And the word of knowledge uh, is found in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, uh, as one of the nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And so today, I, he uh, specifically, I want to pray for this, which uh, Zach had felt that those dealing with migraines. So if you have been dealing with migraines, <clears throat> I'm not just talking about if you husband or wife has been a headache to you lately. I, I'm sorry, just joking. Uh, but if you really have been dealing with migraines, a, a serious uh, measure or very serious headaches, why don't you just raise your hand where you are if you're open for us to pray for you today. Raise your hand. We have a young lady here, young lady here, young man here, a few others. Why don't we have a couple of people lay hands on them? We're, we're going to invite God to do what only God can do, right? Lord, we thank you that you are the healer of our bodies. We thank you that you bore our griefs, Jesus. You carried our sorrows. The punishment that uh, uh, was upon you um, uh, purchased us. And, and by your wounds, Lord, we have been made whole. And we speak right now in the name and by the authority of Jesus and command uh, every uh, work of migraine headaches, uh, or long-standing headaches, those things which are, uh, have been disabling, ocular migraines, all those different things, we command them in the name of Jesus to be made whole. We release it upon these bodies today, and we look forward to good reports. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. You know, if you want to continue in prayer over this, uh, we can. We believe God heals instantaneously, and we also realize that Jesus laid hands on a man one time, and uh, a blind man, and he prayed for him, and right afterwards, Jesus said, uh, what's going on? How are you doing? <laughs> he said, can you see? He said, well, I see people, and they're like trees walking around. And the basic gist was, I had a partial healing, and Jesus said, okay, no problem, we'll go back for the full measure. So if Jesus prayed twice, and then after the second prayer, the man was completely whole, his eyes could see. If Jesus prayed twice, we can continue in prayer at times. But sometimes it's instantaneous that God heals. Sometimes it's over a course of time that God heals. And there have been times when we have not seen what we've prayed for. 
happen. We know that, but I can guarantee you that Jesus heals, that we have seen his miraculous working, healing of cancer, raising of dead within our own movement of churches worldwide. We've seen different things. But the surest way not to see people healed is not to pray for people to be healed, okay? And we're not, we don't want to fall on that end of things. We want to take our, our uh, hope in God. And so if you have a testimony, just feel how you're doing this week. And if you have a testimony about God's healing power in your life, which we trust was released, feel free to share it next week. We would love it and uh, love you all so much. My name is Jeff Bianchi, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Community of Faith. It is an extreme privilege to be here, and uh, it's an honor to be with such a group as you. I am just so grateful that uh, God called us as a group here uh, 15 and a half years ago to not just start a church, but to see a movement of God that expands throughout the nations. We have four churches here in the United States, three in this area, one in Tempe, and four locations overseas, and that'll be expanding. Uh, But it's really about... um, It's not just about numbers of people, it's about disciples being made, people being impacted and their lives being changed for Jesus. Today, uh, we are going to start a new series, which is entitled Becoming a Person of Influence. We're going to be looking at the life of Joseph. And I just want to ask you a question uh, or two, Um, just think about um, who who is has been the most influential person in your life, or one of the most influential? Just think about that a minute. Why have they been so influential in your life? Let's think about it. And uh, I, I, my desire through this. Uh, series which we're starting is that we would become ever increasingly the people of influence God desires for us to be, the people of godly influence, but in, uh, in all ways to, uh, to impact people for a change. To influence people is uh, to change the way that their tra- trajectory of life is going, to influence them in a strong way. You know, Uh, As we look at the life of Joseph, we're going to look through Genesis chapter 37 to Genesis chapter 50, uh, excluding Genesis 38, where we have a little um, story about Judah, um, his brother, making a few uh, wrong decisions. But the reality of Genesis 38 is to um, show God's sovereignty in the plan of Judah, To, um, or the plan of God to, to move through Judah's family even in spite of him uh, because Jesus came from Judah. But Genesis 37 to Genesis 50 is a narrative of Joseph. It's the longest narrative in the Bible. And uh, it's very interesting. It's about this uh, figure, uh, Joseph. And, um, you know, we're going to look, as we look at this series, we're going to look at the process of Joseph going from a teenage boy, about 17... We have a couple folks' uh, birthday today. They just turned 18, right? A couple of the McCanns. Sorry, man. You having to admit it. Well, they were 17 yesterday, so you know what that feels like. He was 17 years of age and, uh, and all the way through to becoming second in command of all Egypt. Uh, and uh, the process uh, we're going to look at and how he 
uh, became the man of influence that God had him to be. You see, God desires for each and every one of us to influence others for his glory and for others' good. He has a desire for each and every one of us, not just those with great positions uh, in man's terms, but those to have deep impact and deep influence. I bet some of you, as you thought, who influenced you the most, uh, I would talk about one who has influenced me the most, my mother. I don't know that my mother has ever spoken at a conference. (laughs) I don't remember. But man, this lady has influenced my soul. And she's influencing yours through me today. If there's an influence of me upon you, it is this woman who chose to give herself to God. Not a loud and boisterous woman, not a leadership type of woman, but an influential woman nonetheless. And so wherever you are and in whatever you're doing, God desires you to influence. In fact, we can't help but have a measure of influence. That's how we were made in God. But the, but the desire in becoming a person of influence is becoming that person that God has desired you to be that influences people to be more in love with Jesus, to know of God's love more, and that influences people uh, in a way that breaks them free, that restores marriages, that heals hearts, that, that um, sets communities, at-risk communities, sets them to wholeness again. Those kind of things. So we're going to look at that. And, um, you know, uh, as I said, God has intended for us to exert influence in a way that is that brings glory to him, right? Uh, God's already got all of the glory, but our lives reflect that glory to others on this earth where vision is dim. And just as Joseph ultimately he provided, we'll look all the way back to chapter 50 as we follow through this, he ultimately, he ultimately provided for the entire nation of Israel a safe place for them so that God's promise for them would be continued. And ultimately, that promise to Israel came through to us through the person of the Lord Jesus. And so, uh, man, this guy had an instrumental influence. He ultimately influenced all of us in the same way God has a plan for you. God has a plan for me to influence people for his glorious kingdom forever. Oh, praise God. You say, well, I don't know. I could be that much of an influence. Well, the great influencer lives within you. If you have received Jesus Christ, for there is no greater influencer than Jesus, the son of David, the son of man, the son of God, the living one. Today, we're going to start looking at the life of Joseph. and We're going to see the first step in Joseph, kind of the first step that we see biblically here of Joseph becoming the man of influence that God had him to be. You want to you want to start? You ready to get going? Okay. (laughs) You know, I had different dreams growing up. Uh, desires, ambitions. I wasn't the most ambitious fellow, but I did have some dreams. One of those dreams that I had, which my wife didn't even know this, (laughs) that's how miserably I failed, (laughs) was that when I was young, I I had a dream of becoming a pro tennis player. I I really wanted to. (laughs) That's funny. Um, I don't like that you're laughing that much, really. It's It's a little bit hurtful. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, so I had a desire to become a uh, professional tennis player. I just, in my heart, I dream, you know, what it would be like to be uh, Yvonne Lindell. You've never heard of him, most of you. Uh, what, uh, Boris Becker, John McEnroe. Uh, yes, I'm dating myself. Uh, I understand. Uh, what would yours be? Um, I can't remember their names now. But 
but I had a desire to do this, but I had two problems. <laughs> One is I didn't have the talent really to do it. I mean, I could play. And two, I didn't commit myself to the process of becoming a tennis player at that level. I mean, those guys are nuts, you know, like anyone and, and in a good way, anyone that is at the top of their craft is giving themselves to that in an amazing way. So I didn't do that. So I didn't, unfortunately, uh, you, I did not become a, um, uh, a tennis star, but I did actually become a baseball, professional baseball player. No, I'm joking. But one of you yet last week, okay, there is a Jeff Bianchi pro baseball player. And one of you put his baseball card in the offering. That's really funny. I don't know who you are. I got it. I don't know who it was. but So I could dream. I never, ever dreamed about being a pro baseball player because I was the guy they were always saying, go on out, go, go further out, but behind the fence, you know, wherever. But <clears throat> Jeff Bianchi, yes, he is at least for a time period, played for the Brewers. But you guys are funny, given putting that in the offering. Uh, so I had this dream to become a pro tennis player, and it didn't work out for a number of reasons. We all have had different dreams in our lives, I would imagine. Many dreams, um, you know, uh, for some of us. Um, well, we had a lot of dreams, but many of them in here, would you say, didn't get realized, right? Uh, some of it might have been because um, we weren't gifted in that particular way so much. We... We just didn't carry the, the skill set uh, to do it. Maybe for some of us, um, we didn't put in the time. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter uh, how skilled you are. If you don't put in the time, you're not going to be the, you're not going to accomplish the measure of that dream uh, that uh, is possible. And then, you know, for some of us, it just simply wasn't meant to be. Circumstances uh, didn't provide for it, you know. Um, and so... Uh, but we're going to look today at the start of this narrative about Joseph. And uh, what we're going to see today in chapter 37, we're going to observe a literal dream, okay? This is not just a dream, I want to be something, but a literal dream that came to Joseph. And, but it spoke of something deeper. It spoke of a dream in God's heart, okay? We're talking about a literal dream, but we're also talking about the dream in God's heart. And we're going to get to that place where... Not all of us are guaranteed a literal dream, but God wants to put a desire and a dream in our hearts that he wants to accomplish. Joseph, through this dream, didn't have tons of information, uh, and it didn't really even seem like that, uh, um, um, you know, uh, nice of a dream. <laughs> but the dream spoke of something in God's heart, and God has a dream for each of us. We're going to look at this dream. And uh, we're going to see about the dream that God spoke that was on his heart for Joseph. And the good thing about the dreams of God, unlike my dream to be a professional tennis player or your dream to, uh, you know, um, do whatever you do, <laughs> is God's dreams come true. God's dreams come true. They come true whether you and I agree with them or not. He may have to find someone else to accomplish that dream. But his dreams always come true. And I'm here to say, yes, Lord. Dream your dreams through me. Let me be one who obeys you. All right, got ahead of myself a little bit. Let's open the Bible. It's a very good place to start. Genesis chapter 37 and verses 1 through 4. We're going to start this narrative of of Joseph. One interesting thing is it says this is the narrative of Jacob and then it goes into Joseph's life. So I just, that's an interesting thing, but oftentimes that's a biblical way that they approach telling someone's story by going to the father. 
But Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Well, what we gather from this scripture here about becoming a person of influence is that God chooses unlikely people and God chooses unlovely people oftentimes to become people of influence. He chooses very unlikely and uh, imperfect people to become the people of influence. We got any unlikely candidates out there? Got any unlovely? (laughs) Well, you're all lovely to me, but, you know, uh, you may be imperfect as I am. I, I would imagine you are. One of the things we noticed first in this passage was that Joseph was the youngest son, okay, at that time. There was one other son that was born named Benjamin. Actually, he was Ben Oni, was his initial name, because he... His mother died in childbirth, but she renamed him, um, uh, Jacob renamed him Benjamin. Ben-Oni means son of my suffering. Benjamin means son of my right hand. I don't know why I went off there, but just to let you know, he had a second brother uh, that was younger. But uh, up at this time, he was the youngest guy of all of his brothers. That is extremely, even though he was of the seat of affection in his father's heart, you know, just so much affection. That is unlikely, though, for the person that's going to be the leader. And this was a patriarchal society, or it was also a firstborn society. If you look throughout Scripture, the firstborn took precedence. God broke that rule a lot. But the firstborn was the one that received the lion's share of everything, and the other guys, you know, took their pecking order behind the firstborn. Well, this was the 11th-born son, okay? So he wasn't the most likely. He might be the one they they laugh and have affection for and love him and care for him, but he wasn't the one in this type of society that would initially get the goods of leadership. But God chose Joseph in this situation. Another thing we notice is that, um, so this is the unlikely part of Joseph. But another thing is that um, uh, he was also... uh, we could perceive, and there's a lot of debate that goes on about this, but he was also uh, in ways unlovely <laughs> as of yet. Or he was what we would say, uh, he was not one that was um, uh, perfect. He was imperfect in many ways. There are a couple of things that happen here in this passage, if you'll look. It said he was out in the fields with who? His brothers. Which brothers, though, was he out in the field with? He was out in the field with with the lesser brothers. He gave a bad report uh, for his lesser brothers. Why do I say lesser? I don't think in God's eyes they were, but Bilhah and Zilpah were not number one and number two wife. Bilhah and Zilpah were the, um, the uh, maidservants of Rachel and of Leah. And these guys had uh, Joseph, you can almost picture him looking down on them and their status in the family. He was a treasured chosen one, but these guys, now Judah and Simeon and Levi, they were all first sons of, of, you know, Leah, and he was Rachel's son. 
But there was something in his heart. He brought a bad report. Now, I don't know. Maybe he was commissioned by his father to bring a bad report. But it seems interesting that an 11th child would bring a bad report about his older brothers. I don't know. It's interesting. So at least we can say there's a question there. There's another question here about his character, which are at least his um, uh, perfection or imperfection at that time. Uh, he was spoiled a bit, maybe. Wouldn't you say? He had the ornate robe. Uh, notice this is the, the multicolored, and there's a face right there. I just want to make sure you know that. But the multicolored robe, you know. Anybody see Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat? I didn't, but uh, I heard Donny Osmond did a good job there in New York on that, uh, that play. But anyway, but Joseph had this robe, and he was, he was the seat of affection. He, he, uh, he probably had a little bit of uh, spoiledness to him. We don't know for sure as well, but the possibility remains, uh, well, at, that he was a tattletale, but also that he was operating in pride by telling this dream. I don't know for sure, right, because the pride, because telling of the dream really set everything in motion that the dream was about anyway. But Joseph, he, he seemed to lack a little bit of discernment. But God knew about that. He, he goes up, hey, guys, you know, what, what's it say here? Hey, um, uh. Oh, I haven't told the dream yet, have I? Okay, let's go and see the dream. <laughs> um, let's just say that Joseph was far from a likely candidate uh, and far from a finished product uh, when God revealed his plan to do something great through him. Anybody out here feel far from a likely candidate, far from a finished product? Praise God. He's got a wonderful dream for you. Let's continue here in Genesis 37, 5 through 10. It says, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to the dream I had. Note the humility here. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up <laughs> and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of this dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream. Okay, he could have stopped at that, but he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, if that wasn't enough. Uh, and this time the sun, the moon... And the 11 stars were bowing down to me. What is the sun? His father. The moon, his mother. The 11 stars, the brothers. His father rebuked him. So, knock it off, son. And said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? So, we could also... Uh, you know, we could deduce from that that Joseph maybe had a measure of, of pride in what his dream was about. He was a favored, kind of uh, favored by his father. Um, and you know that sometimes uh, getting everything we want is not always the best for the condition of our soul. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's truly getting what God has for us. But he, had, he was a favored son. He had all these different reasons why he might not be the guy. He's unlikely and he was imperfect. But he had a dream, and God promised him that he would have influence. Regardless of his attitude, regardless of whatever was going on, God said, I've chosen you through this dream. 
And this is the thing, though, that's important for us to understand. But when you have a dream or when you desire to do something, uh, you still have to earn a place of influence. Just because Joseph had this dream, right? He had a dream about the influence he was going to have. And it, it didn't mean that he had that influence yet. Uh, actually, uh, he didn't. You can tell by the response of his brothers. They hated him. They hated him all the more. And to have the true kind of influence that we're talking about, I'm not talking about people that have influenced for evil or done things um, because there have been people that hated those that influenced them, unfortunately. But I'm talking about the true kind of influence that God had for Joseph. He didn't have it yet. If he had it, his brothers would be honoring him and would be receiving from him. So he had to earn that place of influence. They were not receptive. Would you say his brothers were not receptive to his influence at that time? Have you ever had this sense of <laughs> God's called me to great things or I'm going to do something great and people around you just weren't quite as receptive to <laughs> your idea on that? I, I know it in my own life. But God, you see, Joseph, and we're going to follow this throughout the upcoming weeks, Joseph went through an entire training period of God to become that person of influence God had him to be. And I can guarantee you by the end of that training period, 11 stars, one sun, and one moon were bowing down before Joseph, and it wasn't upset about it. They were overjoyed because he had obeyed God and brought, and deli brought deliverance for the whole group of them. You see, so the dream is there. That does not necessarily mean you have the influence or it's the end of the story. To, to have God's desires in your heart is a great thing, and you can't go anywhere without it. If you don't have a dream for anything, as I've said before, if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. To have a dream is good. And, and oftentimes that, that secures us in, in walking with God and desiring great things. But that was not, he did not yet have the influence that God had for him. So we know that God chooses unlikely and imperfect people to influence for him. Say that, unlikely, imperfect. Anybody want to say I'm in there? You very well. I could say very well, God has a plan for you to deliver many others and to influence many people for him. And the second thing is that you haven't really necessarily earned it yet just because you know about it. <clears throat> okay, I won't make you say that. But the final thing I want to say is let's look at Genesis 37, verses 11, verse 11. So we've gone uh, Genesis 37, 1 through 11. Genesis 37, 11. His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. His father said, maybe he's got something here. I'm not real happy about it. I just rebuked him. But keep the matter in mind. We're going to see what happens. It's going to take time. He kept the matter in mind because it's going to take time for that to be worked. God works in the one that he has called in order, uh, the one he's called to influence others. He has to work in them and work in them and work in them so that they can ultimately accomplish the dream that he has in his heart. He has to work in those, right? You can't just uh, see a dream accomplished without any blood, sweat, and tears, right? That way it stays a dream in your head, but it doesn't become a dream in reality. For that thing in your heart to become that in reality means God's got a lot of work to be done through you. You see, Jesus obeyed God in every way, obeyed God the Father. And he had a work before him. He said, I am constrained uh, in my spirit until I accomplish it. 
The zeal of the Lord is consuming me. I'm going to accomplish that that God's given me. Jesus had all the influence in the world as God, but Jesus wanted the influence as a redeemed man in order to redeem us. And Jesus had to go through that process in order to come free of it. Uh, and, and, um, but the reality is this. God has a dream, and it's for unlikely and imperfect people like you and like me. He has something he wants to accomplish. Ultimately, this dream is for his glory and for others' good. It is. He has a dream for you. And he is working on you. You are not a finished product yet, nor am I. There are very few people that live their life and end their life knowing that they're a finished product. There was someone named Paul the Apostle. He said to, to, to those that he wrote to, he said, I have finished the course. I have completed the race. There is a crown of glory stored up for me in heaven for all those who long for his appearing. He did on this earth. He was soon for death. But he on this earth knew he'd completed that course and he'd been the influence God called him to be. But that doesn't happen very often. I don't see too many candidates out here of that. Maybe, maybe one or two getting closer. But God has that purpose for us. He has that purpose for you and he wants to influence the world through you. I want to say this to those of you. Um, well, let me say this. The literal dream that Joseph, that God showed Joseph uh, was giving him influence. And later it was for the sake of others, many, many others. However, for that dream to come to pass, as I said before, it required many, many years of work in the dreamer. Many years. To have a dream means you are in God's workplace for His glory. He can use you in mighty ways all along the way, but for the ultimate impact that He has for your life, He is preparing you for something great. It doesn't work always like putting a selfie of yours on your uploaded picture of how you want your life to look as someone at World Mandate said in Waco, right? That we, we can instantaneously get an image of what we want up on our, um, I'm forgetting the name of it, Instagram, you know? This is what I appear. We're all about the appearances. It's all, you know, you ever looked around, everybody's doing great, you know, and appearing good. But God's not about you appearing good. He's about you being good. By His glory and His grace. Not your own work of good, but His good in you. Anyway, for those of you who are new on a faith journey, I want to say this. The greatest person of influence that ever was and ever, ever will be is Jesus Christ. He went through this process that we're going to look at, at, uh, at Joseph going through. Uh, but he went through a greater process even than Joseph. He went through the journey of, of going to Jerusalem. Healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, driving out demons, and, and destroying the works of the devil. Yet he didn't allow himself to be exalted. He went straight to Jerusalem, resolutely set out there, and he bore our sins. The greatest ones that influence in God's kingdom, Jesus being the greatest of them, are the servants. And Jesus served us. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could be the righteousness of God. He uh, purchased us from death and he delivered us and for those who receive him from, uh, for his eternal kingdom for all time. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, God made him who knew no sin, right? No sin in Jesus. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You want to talk about the best exchange ever. 
Man, what an exchange. How about this? For those of you who are new on a faith journey, I just say, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He is the answer. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the first. He is the last. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He is the redeemer of all mankind who will call upon his name. And in the end, there won't be another name. His name will be the only one, as the prophet speaks, and we will be with him forever. Oh, come to Jesus. This is the exchange that you do, that you will have if you come to Jesus. Jesus takes your sin right? Takes your garbage and you take on his righteousness. (laughs) That's a good exchange. Jesus takes your shame and you get his freedom. How about that? That's the best exchange rate going. I urge you today, if you've never turned from your sin and you've never asked Jesus to come in your life to forgive you for now and forever, I urge you, don't wait another day. We're here. I'm here. But you don't have to talk to me. There are many people who have faith in Jesus. Maybe it's someone you came with. Maybe you do want to talk to me or someone else, uh, your faith group leader or, or someone that invited you. But come to Jesus because that's the way that we really are able to become the influences in this world that, that what the world really needs. And for those of you who have already uh, received Jesus, who already have a relationship with Jesus, I want to say this. Not all of us are going to have a literal dream from God. We're not. Uh, some do, and some have. Uh, and we're not all going to have a dream that speaks about our future, literally, at night, right? But we can all ask God for the dream of His heart, for His desires to be put on our hearts, that we would increasingly become a people of influence for Him. And um, we can see those dreams come about. You know, a prayer that we have prayed for years upon years, before I moved here from, from Texas, uh, with our church and the one, the one that I came out of and here at Community of Faith is, Lord, if there's a dream on your heart for this world that's not happening, come and dream your dreams through us. Come and dream that dream through me. If there's something you're desiring to do, if there's something you want to see happen and it's not happening, Here we are, Jesus. Come and dream that dream through me. That is a prayer that God wants to answer. He wants to begin planting deeper than ever His desires on your heart. So what you do is not a burden, but it's a joy. You see, the the goal of the Christian life is not, oh, i got to pray, i got to do this, i got to sacrifice, i got to... No. The goal is, as Jesus said, I delight to do your will, O God. It has been written in the scroll about me. He's, saying, he's talking about the Bible, the Torah. It has been written, I delight to do your will, O God. That's what God has for us today. And so I want to say that, that as we respond to God, He wants to make us those people of influence. And that whatever dream He wants to fulfill, that God would give us the desire to carry it out for Him. And especially that includes those who have never heard of Jesus and the salvation and mercy that comes through Him. As we've talked about the first step in the life of Joseph that started his process of becoming a person of influence, we talked about a literal dream that Joseph had of of, uh, the 11 brothers bowing down before him and his father and mother even. But I would like you to listen. So uh, this, this, I'm sorry, this dream that Joseph had spoke of a desire in God's heart, right? As I said, we can't all have a dream, though some of us will, but we can have his desires, his dreams in our heart. Here... 
I would like us to listen to and to watch another righteous man who had a dream in his heart and through it he influenced millions for good. And I believe for God's glory. Look and listen with me at this man's dream and be inspired that God has a dream for you and he has a dream for our community as well that will influence many for God's glory and for mankind's good. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama, with its vicious racist, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification. One day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low the rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together this is our hope this is a faith that i go back to the south with with this faith we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day, this will be the day with all of God's children be able to sing with new meaning 
my country tears of thee. Sweet land of liberty of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring. From the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire, let freedom ring. From the mighty mountains of New York, let freedom ring. From the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania, let freedom ring. From the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado, let freedom ring from the crevacious slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring, and when this happens, when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, Thank God Almighty, we are free at last.